You're listening to the Family Discipleship Podcast, a podcast of training the church. This is Adam Griffin, and before I introduce you to our distinguished guest, let me first introduce my two lovely co-hosts. First, the always adventurous Miss Cassie Bryant. How are you doing today, Cassie? I'm doing so great, Adam. Thanks. Good. And of course, the Griffin family matriarch, Chelsea Griffin. How you doing today, Chelsea? I'm doing great. Just happy to be here. Excited for this. I'm happy to have you here. And what a distinct honor to introduce our guest on today's episode, the Trillia Newbell. Hi, Trillia. How you doing today, Trillia? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you. Good. Well, one of the things we're excited about talking with you about is some of the books you've written. I've gotten them right here in front of me. Creative God, Colorful Us, and God's Very Good Idea. One's a, God's Very Good Idea is a children's book. Cassie Bryant, you've, you've read this oh, with your my kids. My girls love that book so much. I have three girls and they adore it. That's so sweet. We'll talk about it here in a second. Trillia, here's a, here's a curveball bantering question for you. If you got to put yourself into any children's book or you got to be a character in any kid's story, what what do you think? What did you read growing up or what do you love to read with your kids that you you wish you could be a character in that story? I would be Winnie the Pooh so I could eat all the honey, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was going to say that. <laughs> Which, uh, by the way, for your listeners, like I'm actually eating honey and I realized you all wouldn't be able to see that. But no, yeah, the, the that's what I would was do. excellent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Here's something strange about me. I didn't read a ton as a kid. I was terrible mm-hmm. until about mm, high school. <laughs> I I did great on oh my grade. Well, middle school, not so great. Or elementary, not so great. Middle school, I all of a sudden was like, huh, I should learn. But I didn't read a lot of kids' books. I was like the one who was jumping out of trees, trying to make, um, you know, like those parachutes out of trees. That's what I was doing. So yes. I can only think of Mr. Pooh. <laughs> That gives me hope for my elementary daughter who is like not digging a school right now. I'm like, she could grow up to be an author. It's like very, it's very reassuring. That's maybe that's what this whole podcast is really for. Yes. Just to give you some hope for your kids. Thank we you. We also, we have an Eeyore in our house. Definitely. Uh, I won't say who, but there's somebody in our house that is uh, so hard to please and always whining. And it's not me. <laughs> it's not Chelsea. That's all. Awesome. He, he has that's a really funny. good life. He has an awesome life. <laughs> Yeah, that's so, that's so good. Well, I'm really excited about this conversation, Trilly. I, I think this is needed. I think this is going to help a lot of parents. I'm, I think it's going to help me a lot. Let's get started. For those who who don't know you, Trillia, for those who don't know or haven't read your books or haven't seen the work you did with the ERLC or the work you're doing now at Moody, would you introduce yourself and maybe tell us also a little bit about your family? Yeah. So I am from Tennessee. That's where I live. And I live in the Nashville area. I have, um, I'm in an interracial marriage. So my husband's white, which is, it does almost doesn't matter, but matters so much. <laughs> mm. And then I have two wonderful biracial children and they are teenagers, which is crazy and fun. Well, one of them's not, but she's so close. And <laughs> wait, not fun or not a teenager? <laughs> oh, she's so fun. But she is, and she's not a te- teenager. She, she's going to be like, gotcha. Whoa! Okay. <laughs> No, no, no. Yeah, she's great. No, um, so she's 11. She'll be 12. But she's just mature like a teenage. She might as well be a teen. And then yeah. I have a 15-year-old. And yeah, so you've already, I, I write and speak. And right yeah. now I work as an acquisitions editor at Moody Publishers, which is 
a lot of fun and I love what I get to do. And that's enough about me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of the reasons we wanted to talk with you is you've written a couple books about race and a couple books about diversity targeted at younger audiences, targeted at kids. And I think with the idea also of targeting parents to have these conversations with kids. The two that I I have in front of me today are God's Very Good Idea, a true story about God's delightfully different family, and Creative God, Colorful Us, one kid's book, one for a little bit older age, which I'll let you tell us about those books a little bit, but also what inspired you writing these books? Were these things that you'd been itching to put out there, or is this more like somebody needed to do it and they were asking you to do it? I wrote these books after I was trying to plan a lesson for a Sunday school class and Ooh. couldn't find what I was looking for. Ooh. So I was teaching a lo- at my local church and teaching kids about the beauty of diversity and the gospel and race and ethnicity and the family of God and Imago Day, the image of God and all of these things. And so I searched high and low <laughs> and couldn't find anything that I would want to teach. And, <laughs> and so I, I had to write it. And so (laughs) I never intended to become a children's author. It wasn't some dream I had. But after I wrote this and I taught it to the kids and I saw their response. Yeah. I, I knew that if the Lord would allow, I wanted to get it to as many people as possible. And so that's it. I, I, it was more of a, need for my own self to teach kids. Yeah. Tell me uh, the different target audiences for each one. Like one's for a little bit younger, one's for a little bit older. Can you tell us about the difference between the two? Yeah. So God's very good idea, which it's it's the one that I wrote after I taught the, the kids, is yeah. for zero to six. And then Creative God, Colorful Us is a chapter book. So it's more for eight to 13 or so. And so those are that's the difference between those two. And so obviously with God's very good idea being a picture book, I'm talking about these concepts and we're showing pictures and there's kind of these one word sentences to explain big concepts where in the chapter book, I'm going really deep into the theology. And so I'm helping a, a kid understand, okay, this is what this means. Here are some words to remember. Here's the text and here's how you apply it. So it's a little different um, and it's so much fun. That's so great. We love God's Very Good Ideas. My girls are still younger. So that's the book that we have. My oldest is just now eight. So I've already added the other book in my cart. But in God's Very Good Idea, you say everyone you see is different than you and the same as you. And you're teaching about the image of God there, that Imago Dei that you just mentioned. Why is this important for Christian parents to be teaching their kids? And how is racial diversity a family discipleship issue? Yeah. Okay. So that's a that's a big question we could spend the rest of the time on. <laughs> so I'll start with saying either you're going to be teaching your children or the culture will be teaching your children. Right. And we right. have a choice. So we want to be engaged in what the Bible says about people because the world has a different <laughs> different language. The world has a different message, but we have good, good news. And yeah. it is good to know that we are all equal in the sight of God, that God has created us all to reflect him. Every person walking this earth has value and worth. And so it is essential that we are instilling that into our children, mm-hmm. not only so that they see other people 
But so they also know, hey, you have value and worth. God is created yeah. in the image of God, of himself. Wow, that's amazing. And so we can reflect him. And so it's of utmost importance because if we don't lay that foundation, how are we going to then teach them about love? How are they, we going to teach them That's about the, the sin of partiality and favoritism? How are yeah. we going to teach them about the gospel, <laughs> about the Great Commission? I mean, what are we going to do if we don't get Genesis 1 right? So we mm. really do need to start at the beginning to get to the end. And there's so much in between. And so I just I'm clearly passionate about this. <laughs> but it's, I love it. It's so important. It's so important. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it definitely is. That's super helpful. And one of the questions that you ask kids to consider in Creative God Colorful Us is why do you think it's important to love those that don't look like you or sound like you? Can you answer that question for us? And why is it important for our kids? Well, we have the commandment to love God with all our hearts, minds, soul, strength, everything we have, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. If we don't love, the scriptures say we don't know God because God is love. So there is evidence of a transformed heart by the way we look and interact with people. And yeah. so we, I mean, it is of utmost importance that we understand that God's created us and that we are commanded to love people who don't look like us or sound like us or, or you name it. And so it's really a foundation of the faith. And so not only are we commanded to love one another? And First John says it's it signifies our transformed heart, right? We also know that Jesus said people will know that we are his disciples by our love for one another. So it's almost like it's an apologetic to the world. Yeah. I exist. You know, God exists. Jesus is real by our love for one another. So instilling that now into our kids' hearts is so important. And so I, I think if you've noticed, I could say all sorts of things about how we want people to feel accepted and we want, but that isn't ultimately the goal. Of course, right. we want people to feel welcome. I have a new book coming out called The Big Wide Welcome. We want people to feel welcome. We want people to feel loved and or served and all of those things. But ultimately, we want them to be loved. Ultimately, it's about what God has commanded us and how we glorify him and honor him. And this is going to sound trite, what I'm about to say. It's also fun. It's yeah. so much better for our lives if we just enjoy people, <laughs> if we enjoy differences and delight in the way God has made us all so unique and different instead of having something so simple like the color of our skin be a hindrance, which it's not. It's, it's just better. Hey friends, it's March and that means Easter is right around the corner. In fact, Easter is in March this year. It's part of the reason I'm pumped to tell you about one of our sponsors who's got a really special Easter deal. This is a great time to get some new resources to disciple your family. Our friends over at Lithos Kids are having an Easter basket sale. They've got the brand new Little Pilgrims Big Journey complete box set. It's now available. Guys, I can't tell you how much I love this resource. If you don't have it, you need to go check it out. Kids and parents have loved reading about Bunyan's beloved tale of Christian and his adventure to follow the king's path to Celestial City. And now you can get all three books in one box set along with a map and it comes with a coloring book and the whole thing is just 60 bucks. You can use the code FAMILY10 to get 10% off your entire order at Lithos Kids right now. So what a great discipleship opportunity. To find all this, go to lithoskids.com, see all the items in their Easter promo, including their new release, 
The Parables of Jesus, and the Kingdom of God Bible Storybook. Guys, we love Lithos Kids. You're going to love them too. Go check it out today, lithoskids.com, and remember the promo, Family 10, to get 10% off your entire order. Hey listeners, we live in a world where anxiety, depression, and weariness seem to be the basic descriptors of our lives. For many of us, our calendars and our plates are overfull, yet our lives still lack joy. But it doesn't have to be this way. Jesus invites you to have true and abundant joy that's only found in Him. In John 15, Jesus reveals three very surprising pathways to finding this type of joy. You can discover these pathways in the new book, Overflowing Joy, by author and Bible teacher Tara Dew. This is available at LifeWay.com, and you can save 40% off with the code JOY40. Again, that's J-O-Y, the number four, the number zero, at LifeWay.com. The new book is Overflowing Joy by Tara Dew. Check it out. That's excellent. One of the things, you know, there's conversations of race, conversations of diversity, they come up differently in different homes and in different nations. And depending on how diverse somebody's household is or how diverse your neighborhood is or how diverse your dining room table is, or that these conversations come up differently. I know in the Griffin household, we've had difficult conversations when something has happened in the news that involves uh, racial prejudice, racial hatred, historical racism, exploring and explaining to our kids things that they weren't alive for and how they impact things today. In our house, we've had conversations around race and ethnicity with our with our neighbors. We live in a very diverse neighborhood, ethnically and racially. And so we, we talk about those things. And I'd love it if you're willing to be a, a little bit vulnerable. I think this would help parents a lot. Are, can you think of any examples in the in the Newbell home where maybe race has been a difficult issue to navigate for you or for your husband or for your kids? Has has it ever come up as something where it was like, hey, I want to be equipped by the Lord for this because this is going to be a hard talk? Or if your kids ever or you ever had to experience something difficult that you've had to process with your children? Yes. So it's interesting because my kids have not experienced anything yet. They haven't experienced anything except for where are you from and questions like that, but not questions. Sure. They have not experienced racism on from on their personhood. Um, yeah. However, I have experienced, I, the hardest part is when I've had to explain to my kids some of the experiences I've had. Mm-hmm. And for them to kind of understand that there are people who literally hate me just mm. because I'm black is a hard thing. It was, it's been, that's a difficult thing for me to have to tell them, especially at this day and age, like they're older. So they understand insofar as they understand that the world is the evil and that the evil's in the world. And, but when they were younger, it was really difficult to try to explain why someone would be unkind or, yeah. So, so I just, there are specific things in my own, my personal walk, not so much in our family. So sure. we've, I mentioned at the top of this, I'm in an interracial marriage, but both of our families loved us equally. Mm. So we didn't experience racism in our families. So, which is not the case for a lot of people. Yeah. We are a family that's biracial and interracial and all, all the racial. <laughs> but, <laughs> But we haven't experienced blatant racism as a family mm-hmm. in our community. We we haven't experienced it. That doesn't mean it hasn't happened behind our backs. It doesn't mean it hasn't happened in a hush way. But where we currently live, we feel pretty safe in general. So so it's interesting. I'm I'm it's mostly 
stuff that I've personally experienced or things like what you mentioned that are on the in the news that I have to explain and that we've mourn and weep together. So that's good. What wisdom can you offer parents who like thinking of either racism they're experiencing within their family or towards their family or like news headlines? What like wisdom can you offer parents in like leading those conversations in the home? Yeah. So if someone's, those are two different situations. So if you're yeah. experiencing some type of racism against your family, that's different than if you're watching it on the news. So right. I'm going to start with the watching on the news because every single one of us will experience that. So if you are watching it on the news, one of the things that I wish we'd all do is learn how to weep with those who weep and mourn with mm. those who mourn and yeah. not be slow to try to fix things or have their answers for things, especially when we actually don't know. So if a life is taken and we don't know all the answers, we can be really slow to speak and we can pray, model that for our kids, pray with our kids, explain how sad it is when anyone dies, right? So this, these are the things that I think we're missing because we're so polarized. We make everything about division, divided or political, where really mm. as families, we've, we need to shepherd them, shepherd their hearts and teach them how to pray and teach them how to so good. Yeah, and so that's, if you're experiencing racism, again, if your kid is experiencing racism at school, well, I'd go straight to the administration and mm. I'd do everything I can to protect my kid. I, of course, would talk to the child and remind them of their goodness and they're made in the image of God, that they're loved by Jesus. I would say those things. I would make sure that they're, they know how precious they are in the sight of God. Mm. However, their heart's going to break. It doesn't make sense. When I was a kid, I experienced racism. I was walking down the street with a guy who was white. I was, we were in band and we were going to a convenience store. I lived in East Tennessee, had a brick thrown out the window. That guy was called an in lover. And we were like, did this just happen? Right. Mm. So that's wow. why. Now multiply it. That's, I've experienced thing after thing after thing after thing like that. Not as violent, but those things have been my experience. So if a kid is experiencing something like that, I was a kid, like my father was so good in helping us understand, hey, these people, they're, they're, he would not have set, used these terms, but they're going to, they're going to go before the judge, the ultimate judge, right? So how are we going to respond? We have to take mm -hmm. responsibility for our response and we have to speak out, love, and for us, and I know this is such an interesting topic. Forgiveness is <laughs> really complicated. It's a complicated topic these days. But for <laughs> me, when I was young, he, he instilled this forgiveness. So, so it was mm. just an interesting. So I don't, I can't speak for every family and how you should operate. But those are the things I just felt valuable because my parents told me I was, and so no one could take it away. Yeah. It, they just couldn't. They could try but they couldn't do it completely. So I think it will last, it will carry them. That's good. That's so good and so helpful. And truly, I know that you know your value in the Lord. I know that that's where your identity is wrapped up. I know that. I still just want to say right now that I hate that that any of those things happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 
I do. I hate that. Um, what would you say to the parents who are raising their kids in a really homogenous environment? Um, so they don't see a lot of people, different colors, different um, ethnicities, different nationalities. How can they help their families see the beauty and diversity? Yeah. Well, let me, before I answer that question, because the audience can't see you, but what's your response, like all three of you with like tears in your eyes, which make is making me cry, is the response that you should have to injustice. It's the response we should have. We do not know how to pause and weep and mourn. And so I just want you to know that I'm blessed by your tears and your heart and your compassion, because I think it's it's just the right response. It's and to. Yeah. So I just want to say that. So thank you guys for for having compassion because there are, there are so many kids who are walking wounded because of something like the color of their skin. So if you're in a homogenous environment, well, things like this podcast are helpful. We don't we we don't have to live in a you can live in a homogenous neighborhood and area and community without living in a bubble. So in mm-hmm. other words, we have too many resources this day and age at our fingertips to not be equipped in some way so that if someone comes into your area or your neighborhood, you're you're ready to receive and enjoy and learn and love them. So this is the reality in some communities. So for, for example, in Georgia, you you're going to not, it's in the South, but you are, it's going to be diverse almost everywhere you go. But in little parts of rural Tennessee, it won't be the same. There are going to be places that will be majority white and not just majority, but almost all white. Hmm. <laughs> and so, so I think you, you'll have to make that effort to be intentional, to enjoy different cultures. Can I tell you something that we do as a family? Please. Yeah. Please. We are black and white, but there's about a gazillion ethnicities in the world, right? So there's, <laughs> so even within what we kind of throw in as white, there's like, my husband's actually real specifically British. His mom is from Great Britain. And so we do things like I have learned how to cook things like Yorkshire pudding and roasts and potatoes and things that would <laughs> appeal to the Englishman. And <laughs> however, about Every summer, we didn't do it this summer, but every summer I cook through a nation or nations or a continent. Oh, I love that. It's so much fun. And so not only am I cooking through a nation or continent or something like that, we will talk about their the history. We will talk about the culture and we'll play music. It's a full on experience. And That's it has awesome. benefited. It's so much fun. It's very, it's practical and you can do it anywhere because we also need to learn. Yeah. And yeah. We, we don't know everything about everybody. And so it is so much fun to experience different cultures and, and people groups and our family. I, I really do believe I've done this since they were really young and it's, it's really fun. It's so much fun. And they have such an interest in different cultures and people groups. And I think that's because of what we've been instilling in them to enjoy, to delight, and to learn about different people groups. So I just encourage people to think outside the box and just be really intentional and proactive if they don't live in a diverse area. Yeah. There's a resource called Window on the World. 
that we use in our kids' classrooms at church, and we have a, a copy in our house. And we use it during the Olympics because we can like be watching a nation, you know, compete in something, and then we can go and look in that, like look in the window in the world book and read about the country and what God's doing in that country and what, you know, church is doing in that or missionaries are doing. But I love the idea of then cooking, like studying a country for a week and then cooking a meal. I, that's so great. I love that. So we have Window in the World too. And there are also prayer journals and there's so many different things. We're just resourced. There's just a lot of resources. So so I think you just have to be intentional. That's great. Let me let me switch gears just for a second. Back to kind of, we're trying to equip parents in their homes. And this is so good on the positive end to talk about how we could teach them about diversity, to teach them about different cultures. I also know that because the Bible calls prejudice, calls partiality sin, something to be avoided. Why do you think it is, Trillia, that where parents have no problem addressing selfishness and anger and impatience and lust in their household, why is it so hard for moms and dads to treat prejudice and partiality just like other sins that we're already addressing? What makes it so difficult? Well, there's a few things. One, we've politicized it. So mm-hmm. when we think about race, we almost automatically think about politics. Instead of the heart, instead of the Bible, we go straight to some kind of political thing. And there's good reason for that because of the foundation of our country in the United States and and the unjust laws. So there's a reason for it. However, the church hasn't figured out how to break away from that to teach about what God says. And that, unfortunately, means that these sins... These the hate in our hearts don't get addressed and they're not seen as serious or as problematic as all those other things. Also, okay, I've got a several answers. Also, you're not going to address something you're not going to address on in your own heart. So Mm -hmm. it's really difficult if you haven't looked at your own heart and said, okay, Lord, where have I failed here? I confess I repent. If you don't do that, then it's really difficult to tell your kids to. I mean, they're learning from us. And for some people, they have been taught the scriptures wrong and the scriptures have been used as a weapon in this area. So they don't see it as sin. They they other people because their pastor does. And so that's part of the problem. Also, another problem is because this particular topic is so just ignited with fire and just fear and there's a lot that people are afraid <laughs> often to engage the topic at all so they just avoid it yeah mm-hmm. they just completely avoid it so because they're afraid of being called a racist or they're afraid of whatever it is and so the topic is often avoided and this will be my last one because I know of this is my fourth we are <laughs> we can be apathetic about this topic if it doesn't affect me personally, then it doesn't affect mm-hmm. me at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's apathy where you're, you're, you're apathetic. You're like not caring. And so that to me is, can be a real problem. So I think if we get to the Bible, ask God to reveal our hearts and to engage well, I think on this topic, I think parents, they just have to do the hard work of, of really evaluating their own hearts and why they don't share about it. That's good. Okay, Trillia, we're asking all of our guests this season this question. If you could go back to when your first child was born 
and give yourself one piece of advice about the Newbell family's spiritual life, what would you say? Oh, good grief. <laughs> like family discipleship in your home. If there's one piece of advice you could give yourself when, I mean, I know you've got 15 years, you got to go way back. But. I know. It was <laughs> We do not have it together. So I, at all, in any way, shape or form. However, I'm not sure at, what else we would do. I would probably say, don't give him a phone. It's <laughs> <laughs> valid. It's valid. That's I, I literally, yeah, we, because one of the things that I realized really early on is that I couldn't save my kids. Mm. Yeah. So that burden has been lifted. However, what I, I wish we would have done is got a home phone. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, I'm just being really honest. If, like calling ATT this afternoon, just like install yeah. landline. <laughs> yeah, because that has been our only discipleship angsty thing is just trying to figure out how to navigate a phone and having a cell phone when all we really want to be able to do is get in touch with our kid if we leave, you know? Yeah. And so that to me is. And it, it's like what's affecting us right now. Like, that's the only, mm-hmm. my kid's thriving. What I think our mistake was is that we gave him a phone too early because he's, we knew that we had to be able to leave. And it it's just like prying <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> some precious out of someone's hands. So it's, that's, yeah. that's been our, I think one of our biggest parenting, like, oh man, I hear you saying we need to bring back pagers, like like landlines and pagers. pagers. (laughs) Yes. Which which may not, this this answer may seem weird because it's, but it's totally discipleship. And it's the where we are. It's where we are. And if 15 years ago self, I would have been like, hey, get that landline. You know, that's what I (laughs) said to myself. Yeah. That's so great. I love it. That's awesome. Well, before we let you go, Trillia, would you mind sharing with us, what are the prayers you have for your kids right now, for the Newbell family? If if our listeners want to pray for you and for your family, what can they be asking God for on your behalf? Yeah, I long, long, long for my kids to love God with all their hearts, mind, soul, strength. That's I long for that. And to love their neighbor as themselves. I don't care I, I mean, of course, I care a little bit about <laughs> all the other things, like where they go to school. And I was going to say something, but I'm not that holy. But I, <laughs> but I do care. But ultimately, I really do pray because if they do, then that means all the rest of the stuff like that yeah. is working itself out. So if you can pray for us and for our kids is and that my husband and I can be united as we lead them in that and as we try to teach them disciple them yeah. and display it both in getting in the word but also in the way that we interact with them our our two little human image bears <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome good. Well, I think all of us and our listeners would be honored to pray for that and uh, join you guys in hoping to see God do great things. One other question I have for you, earlier in our talk, you real like subtly slid it in that you have another book coming out. You said you wrote another book. What is it? What's it about? Who's it for? Can you tell us about it? Yes. It's actually on James 2. And okay. it's, yes, so the sin of partiality or favoritism as I'm calling it, is, as some translations call it. 
and it's with the Good Book Company. So it's in that same line of with God's very good idea. And it will come out in January of 2023. So awesome. depending on when this podcast releases, <laughs> it's a little over a year. Uh, do you mean 2022? Uh, yeah. 2020, where am I? Oh, we're in 2021. <laughs> you said we 2023. Back 15 years into the past, and now we're like, where are we? What year is this? You're talking about January <laughs> in just a few months, right? In just a few months, yes. Okay, okay. I was like, oh, that's. <laughs> I also oh have a book gosh. coming out in 2046. You guys keep your eyes open yeah, for that yeah. one. Yeah, we're going to wait. We'll wait. However long it takes. It doesn't matter. It's coming, it's coming out in January 2022, which is just a few months. Can't wait. Oh, oh, good. And so it's called The Big Light Welcome. And it's okay. about the church that learned to welcome and learn to love. And so I'm really excited about it. It's a sweet story. I mean, it's sweet and also convicting, you know, just like God's very good idea. It helps us see, okay, where do we go wrong here? And how can we learn to love and love people who are not like us? Of course, and I'm faithful to the scripture. That text is talking about economically, right? So right. I, I say I'm faithful to it, but of course it can be applied broadly. So yes, sure. Yes. I love that. Well, if you haven't already, go get God's Very Good Idea and Creative God, Colorful Us by Trillia Newbell. Those are great books. They'll serve your family well. Trillia, I can tell you that this conversation served the Griffin household. I'm sure it served a lot of others. I hope that parents are feeling not only more equipped, but inspired to have conversations about race and diversity in their household as they spiritually lead their homes. If you want to join this conversation with us, you can find us on social media. Thanks for listening. And if you think it's as important as we do to disciple our families, give us a great review wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode with one of your friends. 